Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the LinkedIn Live What's Next with Gordana Bernat, who I am so honored to have joined the show today. She's just fantastic, an author all about love, humility, courage. Uh, she's one of Super Souls uh, 100 with Oprah Winfrey. It's just really, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone tuning in today. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the first thing is everybody should tell us where you're joining from, because I'm in Los Angeles, California, and I think you're in Switzerland, right, Gordana? No, I'm in Sweden. I oh, Sweden. Sweden? Yes, the most southern part of Sweden. That's where I am. Very close to Denmark. <laughs> Well, I can tell you that, you know, when you have people who join us from all over the world, we just have this really rich conversation um, because I think more than anything right now, you know, I think your topic, what you talk about is so important. You know, the world is in this crazy time, depending on where you're listening from, but we're all in this together, right? And I think that that has such huge impact and meaning for everyone. So I'd love to just give you a moment to have you introduce yourself on what you are working on and what you've been doing over the last 12 months? Because I think it's just been amazing. Oh, well, yeah. For the last 12 months, <laughs> I've been locked up in my home. I Not actually because in Sweden, we do not have a lockdown, but it feels a little bit like that. So I have been focusing a lot on myself and working with the inner world because we can't travel, we can't expand in the outer world. So that's where I am. And it's been beautiful because I've been learning a lot about myself. I mean, for the last 20 years of my life, I've been talking about peace and understanding, and I've been talking about who we are and how to find this inner peace. And to tell you the truth, the last 12 months, I have been practicing everything that I've been talking about before, because it is needed. There is a push from the outside. We do have this fear around us. Everybody is anxious. And this push from the outside forces me to literally practice everything I talk about. So it's been beautiful for me for the last 12 months, because as I say, I've been able to go inwardly and also to quieten down and to see what do I prioritize in my life? Because otherwise, I mean, we're running. We're running all the time. We never stop. We just run and run. And now we're forced to stop and to look. And that's been beautiful for me, actually. Even though I do not like the situation as it is, who does? But yes, if I am to find what's great with it, it is the, that I've been practicing going inwardly. How has it been for you, Tiffany? <laughs> It's it's been crazy. You know, I think that, you know, you talk so much about how change takes courage. And, you know, when you're very comfortable in your career and doing what you were doing, you know, every day and you find yourself forced to change, like not a I think this year I'm going to do this is one thing. But, you know, being forced to change. And so, you know, how do you think people uh can really find that courage to deal with everything that they're dealing with at the moment? Because I think it to your point, it's so much about the heart and it's so internal and it's so emotional and it's also very personal, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes when things on the outer, in the outer reality is so pushing that you feel that you need to surrender to everything because you can't deal with it. 
is actually where the courage comes in. You can't push courage. You can't say, I'm going to dare to do this. You have to come to a place where you feel like, okay, I need to surrender to this because I can't control anything on the outside. So you surrender to what is, and that allows the courage to come forth. That's my experience of this. So if you're pushing it, it might feel too scary. And to plan courage, you can't do that. It, I mean, it has to happen in the now moment. So I think this surrendering part is really important when you, when you try to find the courage from within. So being kind to yourself, surrendering to what is, and then the opportunities kind of pop up. And that's when you get the courage to try the opportunities. It's an organic thing. You can't plan it. <laughs> Well, and I think it also takes a, a tremendous amount of patience, I would think, yes. right? Because yes. you know, we live in this world where it's very instant gratification, yet change mm. takes time. And I always mm. joke that personal change is hard. You know, the first of the year you do your New Year's resolutions, regardless of where you are in the world. And then for me, by January 20th, what was my New Year resolution? Like, I completely forget what, what they were, yes. right? Because Yes, yes, so true. I don't even remember it myself. Now, thinking back on this, I'm going like, I don't have any New Year's resolution. I'm happy to just be, to be present, to become more present in the now moment. And I think that you're so right, because I feel like I, at least when I was younger, I thought that I need to, needed to make change, when in truth, change is always happening. That's the only Concept. It is always changing. What I need to do is to find where I want to direct that change because it's always flowing by. Change is happening all the time. It's a question of focusing in on where the direction of that change is going to be for me. It's like standing in the river. I mean, you don't make the river flow, it flows, but you shift the direction and then you go with the river. That's how change looks for me. It's not something I make. It's something I allow and then direct in a way. And so what would you say to people who are uncomfortable with change, insecure about change, uncomfortable with change, you know, that walking across a river sometimes is scary for people, you know, do I going to get knocked down? Am I not going to be able to make it to the other side, you know, and finding mm -hmm. that courage. And, and I, and I'd love to hear, because I think there's, the personal change and the professional change and how do you bring those things together? What do you say to people who are afraid of taking that first step? I think that the cost of standing still, not going into the change is too high because the change is always there. You can't avoid it. So if you stand still, you're going to fight the change and that costs too much. It costs energy and it will not bring you where you want to be. So just knowing that the change is there, you, you cannot stop it, then allowing it might be the first step. And that might not be so, I mean, you don't need to be scared of it because it is there. I mean, it's much worse to resist it than allow it. It takes much more effort to resist it than to allow it. So I would say that try, allow it and see where it brings you. And it's always much scarier before you take the first step. And when you do take the first step, it's not as scary as it seemed. So it is the thought about change that is scarier than the change itself, I think. 
I would agree. I mean, when I've had yeah. to face things and I felt like it was very scary and then I get through it and I go, well, I don't know why I was so scared, number one. Yes. Or number two, when I had a challenge, you know, and I had to overcome something during this motion, if you will, of what was happening, I then realized the power of this network of people around me and yes. the things I had built. And so you know, if, if someone is afraid of that and you say, just sort of go through it, mm. you know, what would you say to them sort of the one, two or three things, right? Because is it, do I reach out to my network and say, look, I'm really working on this. Like maybe you could go on this journey with me. Is it very internal and kind of, I think um, go ahead. Yeah. 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 I think it's both actually, you need to have an inner conversation with yourself where you will understand that the change is going to be there. You cannot stop the change. It is going to be there. What you can do is direct it. And then I think it's really good to have someone with whom you can share this and kind of have as a partner in that change, because it's always easier to do it with someone than doing it alone. And just talking about it might get you over the first step, so to speak. So it's always good to have a network of people where you can speak to them. But if you don't have, because not everyone has a network of people, just standing there, understanding that this change, you can't stop the change, but direct it, take time, breathe, and, and figure out where you want this change to take you. And then allow it, because I think we have it all backwards. We always think that we have to work for things when in truth, the way I see this reality, and it might be a little bit too spiritual for your audience, but anyway, there is this life force that goes through us all the time, 24 seven. And if we allow that life force to go through us, we will always be taken to the right place. What we do or what our ego does is it puts barriers all over the place so that the, the free flow is not free. It stops everywhere. And it's a question of releasing the barriers, not to work harder. It's actually a question of relaxing so that the barriers disappear. And we think that when we stand there and we need to work harder to make that change, and it scares us. It's actually about relaxing, breathing, and allowing the change to be, and then just directing it. It's like, you know, the Kung Fu masters, they do this. They direct the, the, the power around them in a, in a sense. I think that's how we should be treating change, not being so afraid of it, and then the direction of it. But I think when we talk about change, it's so much in the future. And you don't know what's in the future. So it brings you anxiety. And that is what makes you not wanting to take the first step. But it's still in the future. You're in the now moment. So it's not the same thing. <laughs> Just well, focusing in the now moment and breathing. Yeah. Well, you have this great quote, how to be present to life's presence. Yes. Those yes. two, right? How to be present for life's presence, like presence like a gift, right? And yes, yes. Um, I can tell you, it's hard for me, like, you know, just mm -hmm. being calm in the moment, being in the here, being in the now, especially with all this external anxiety, personally, professionally, you know, what's going on in the world. There's a lot of noise. And so finding that quiet time is probably the most powerful thing you can do for yourself. Yes, it is. And it's, it's very hard because, as you say, there is this noise, this movement all around us all the time. 
But imagine if you knew that it doesn't matter. This movement will be there regardless of if you go with the movement or if you choose to stand still in that moment just for a millisecond. I'm not speaking about being in a yoga position for an hour. I'm talking about <laughs> a few seconds of your life and that gives you, it extends time for you. Just breathing brings you into that now moment. Breathing and allowing yourself the time before you react. And that's where the presence are because when you do that, it's not like when you react, you only see one option. But if you allow yourself a, a second to breathe in and breathe out, you get more options. That's the presence. You, you see What's... the options. You allow yourself to see them. Your frequency allows you to see them. You know, I'd say that, <clears throat> you know, I, I try to meditate, try to find time and find that stillness. What's been really great to see is, the usage of these sort of calmness apps right on your phone to just, yeah. you know, or something like how much time are you spending on your phone, even tracking that and really trying to bring forth, you know, so those 30 second, 30 second moments of the day where I go, I'm just yeah. going to take 30 seconds. The first time I did it at five seconds, I was like, Oh, I made it a whole minute. <laughs> you know? And it was like 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> right. So you know, like you said, you don't need to sit in a yoga pose for an hour. Don't push yourself to something that you're not going to be able to do. It's take the five seconds and make it 10 seconds and get to yourself yeah. to 30 seconds and really take those breaks in the day. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think the only way to do this is to practice it all the time. It's not about, as we said, sitting in a meditation. That will help you practice it during the day. But if you, if you think that it's, you sit for five minutes and that's enough, that won't work for you. What I, I usually do when I feel that I'm agitated or that it's too much movement around me, I breathe. I count to five and breathe in, hold my breath, count to five, and count to five and breathe out. And I do this 10 times. It takes two or three minutes and I oxygenate my body. I can just walk aside and say, excuse me, I need a few minutes. And then I do this breathing. And when I come back, my mind is so much clearer, much more clear because I do have oxygen in my body. This is, I mean, this is physics. This is not super spiritual stuff. It's really how it works. If you give your brain oxygen, you will be able to think clearly. And it's as easy as that. And doing that every time you feel that, okay, I am not able to control the situation. Walk outside, sit for a few minutes, breathe in and breathe out, come back. And I promise you, you will see the presence there. It will, it, it, it's impossible not to see them when your mind is much more clear. It's just about taking the time. I think that we don't do this. We habitually react. We habitually stay in a situation which is agitating when we actually can say, sorry, I need a few minutes. That's all it takes. It doesn't take much longer. Also doing it in every now moment. It's not about today, I'm going for a yoga class and you're at yoga or at meditation and then you go back to your normal life. That doesn't work. It, it, it separates you from who you are. You need to practice it in every now moment. For me, it's become like a game almost, asking myself, does this come from my deepest soul? 
or does it come from the surface of my ego? And I have to be brutally honest with myself. <laughs> Usually it comes from the surface of my ego and I have to say, okay, okay, I need to back off a little bit and breathe in so that I can feel the depth of my soul. I call this my love filter. I don't allow anything out of me unless it passes my love filter, which means that I have to connect to my heart and ask myself, what is my intention here, my true intention here? Honestly, brutally honestly answer it, and then I can take action. Well, you know, I would say that I actually find days where I'm not having a great day and I feel sort of uninspired or talent tired or challenged that I can reflect back and go, I didn't take these minutes through the day. So now I actually block, uh, block two 15 minutes, like in my morning and in my afternoon. Um, and if I can, I walk around my block, you know, because it's yes. like, that's become yes. our new normal. Right. And so I will walk yes. around the block and I don't listen to anything. Like I don't listen to a podcast. Mm. I don't, you know, I just let the sounds of what's around sort of try to calm me. And it's made such a big difference. And in the days that I don't do that, I really notice how I'm actually not present. Like I'm, I'm rushing through the day. Yeah. I don't find those moments. Yeah, it's so true because what, what I have experienced now during these 12 months is that when there is this pressure from the outside, this anxiety that is there like a collective mind sending signals to each and every one of us and collecting our signals, I wake up in the morning with a negative thought in my head, which I didn't do before. It's like the adrenaline that is waking me up literally connects to something negative in my mind so that I will have something to worry about because there's adrenaline in my body. And I wake up and I'm thinking, who's doing the thinking? I was sleeping and I wake up with a negative thought. So I have literally become the guardian of my mind. When I feel this, I say to myself, no, I'm not going to explore that thought. I need to actively say no to a thought, which is already there in the morning. So that takes presence and mindfulness. So I need to focus myself in the body I, where I am in the bed, breathing in and out and, and literally focusing myself in the now moment. And then I can get up. If I do not do this, the thought that came, which I did not have any control over, will set my frequency for the day. And I will be in an awkward frequency without knowing why I am in an awkward frequency because I have already set the frequency in my mind unconsciously or subconsciously and be becoming more aware of what I allow to roam in my mind. If I don't want it, I just say, no, thank you. I won't. It's like an uninvited guest. I say, no, not now, maybe later, not now. And I allow it to just disappear. So I think it's really important to become aware of the frequency that you have in your body when you wake up, the thoughts that you have in your head and ask yourself, is this beneficial? If it's not, say no to it. You can because it's your mind. You're the guardian of it. Yeah, and I, and I think that um, what I've heard the conversations of the last year really start to include is this EQ, being much more conscious of the soft things you have to bring. Yes right? Tone, yes. your love filter, you know, all the things yes. that are you saying the right things now so much is on video. Uh, and you lose the subtleties of human cues, maybe in facial expressions. 
Uh, if you're just on the phone, you're not paying. And so I think everybody is um, being more aware of this emotional connection that you have to try to establish in a remote world. Uh, and, yes. and how do you, how do you sort of find that truth, right? How do you find your truth? I mean, I sort of lean into your book, kind of, like, you know, know the truth. Like, how do you find your truth of, of what that is for you individually? Cause I think everybody is unique. Yes, absolutely. For me, I know for instance that I am, um, I'm a big hugger. I love to be close to people. I love to hug them. I mean, when I do talks, people stand in the line and I, I give hugs to everyone. <laughs> I love doing that. That is my way of interacting with people. So I feel almost sick to the bone because I cannot do this now. And this entire situation had, has made me more aware of who I am in interaction with other people. So I'm a very tactile person. I want to have eye contact with people. I read cues very, very intensely when I speak to people. And not everyone does this, but I think the majority of people do need this contact, physical contact. And I think that it's not nothing unique for me, but that's my way of doing stuff in the world. What's it like for you? Are you also a tactile person or, or you can you can live without it? No, no, it's been very difficult. You know, in 2019, <clears throat> excuse me, I flew 375,000 miles or 600,000 kilometers. I was on six continents. You know, I'm around people all the time. And then in, overnight I was grounded. And so everything is sort of shifted to video and um, I miss people. I miss that part of the fuel it gave me in conversations of listening and learning from from others and that interaction and those casual conversations that sometimes completely change your life. You know, you just you don't have those yes. accidental interactions. And that's what I miss. That's yes. what I miss. Yeah. Also, you know, when you're on stage and you feel the energy from the audience this is something I crave it now. It's like an addiction and I, there is no such thing now. I mean, of course, I can see you on a screen and you can have lots of people on screens, but it's not the same thing. There is something more to it. This is almost like evidence that we, we are not just beings interacting with each other like small islands meeting each other. We are sending energy out and it comes from our heart and we meet each other way, way before we meet with our bodies. The energy is, we meet each other somewhere in between. That's where the energy meets. And I, I miss that part, even though I feel like we are almost developing a skill to do this even through a screen. But in real life, I mean, nothing can beat that it is i i so miss it and i hope that we're going to start doing it again because otherwise i don't know what i'm going to do that's <laughs> how i feel too but, but i'm going to give you a virtual hug i'm giving you a virtual yes. hug okay yes and so let's spend a little bit of time and by the way i just want to say that you've gotten a little note from someone jollins who says um finding a model to emulate and follow saves me from making mistakes uh, and helps me in correcting my path. Gordana is one of mine. Her generosity and love is a priceless gift. Oh, right? thank you so much. Thank you. 
this is what I love about what I do. Being a social media influencer, I communicate with people, hundreds of thousands of people every day. And I know that it makes a difference. And when something like this comes back, it's almost like a real hug. So thank you. I agree. I agree. Because sometimes you can, you know, put something out and you don't get anything you don't get anything back, but I think it's important to not put it out because you want something back. But when you get something back now for me, when you get these little notes, I spend the time and actually respond because I we, I would get it more in person, you know, face to face. But now that it's virtual, you don't want to just say someone has said something kind or done something kind and you just kind of go, oh, I don't have time to respond to kindness. Like, that's terrible. Yeah, you know something. <laughs> That yes, what I do, I respond to almost everything that comes to me. I mean, I can sit in my bed in the middle of the night answering DMs to people. This is what I do. And I do it not because I want something back. I feel like it's a way to serve. And that that is a beautiful thing I feel has happened with me becoming older. That's the beauty of aging that you no longer want to please everyone. You want to serve them. And pleasing them means that I want something back. That was in my 20s. And it creates suffering. It creates misery. Don't want to be there anymore. <laughs> now that I'm older, I feel like everything I do, I do it. I allow it to pass this love filter that I spoke of. And then I just allow it to be there. And that gives me joy. If someone answers, even greater joy, but there is joy in the beginning by serving. And that is so beautiful. I think we, I needed to become older in order to get that idea fully and utterly like I do now. I would agree. Same you know, thing I, I for think, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's one of the benefits of getting older, sort of in my twenties, I didn't yes. know what I, you know, what sort of was happening right in my thirties. It was very much about my career and money. In my 40s, I was sort of like, boy, is this what it's all about? And then when I crossed 50 and, you know, since you're on, uh, you know, uh, Oprah's uh, Super Soul 100, I would tell you that it was really a comment she made that when she turned 50, how different she felt. And she's obviously older than than I am. But, you know, I Mm. when I turned 50 and I felt that change, I remembered that show and I remembered her saying it and I remembered how I felt. And I just turned 55 last week. Um, and I can see that I'm sort of growing into, right, the next phase of, of this. I felt like I was consuming. And now I feel like I'm contributing. And those are two yes. very different things. Yes. Totally different things. I feel exactly the same. I mean, when I was 20, I had no clue of who I was. I knew what my passions were. I mean, I loved art. I loved, loved psychology. and that's where my academic background is. I'm an art historian. But at the same time, I had no clue of what I wanted in life. And then in my 30s, I got my son. And that changed directory totally in my head because I knew that he was so authentic when I held him in my arms and I could see in his eyes and he was authentic. And I was thinking, I can't teach him anything. He's already what, it's, what he is supposed to be. It's me. I need to shed layers I need to go to my authentic core in order to allow him to be authentic. So maybe the, the next 10 years after that, I spend finding that core, finding that within me. So people told me, oh, my God, you're, 
you're ruining your career, you're not doing what you're supposed to do because I chose to stay with him. And I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't chosen that. And I, at that time, I realized that time is limited. Money is not. I can always make money, but I cannot get that time back. So for me, it was such a valuable time with him because I connected to the authenticity of who I was. And then it took me a couple more years to realize that, okay, I found this authenticity, but I need to express it. Otherwise, what's the point of finding it? And my mother got really ill. She was just retired and she got really ill. She was dying in the hospital. And I sat with my husband in our garden and I was so frustrated because she never expressed anything. And now she was dying. And this kind of hit a chord within me. And I thought to myself, I need to start expressing myself. I mean, if, if not now, then when? And he said, start tweeting out the thoughts. And that's how it all started. Started tweeting what? out and he came back. And realizing that, oh my God, I have this tool. I can, I can communicate to people all around the globe. I'm sitting on a gold mine here, out with it. And that's when Oprah found me. So I think it's realizing what you have and allowing it to come out authentically, without the filters, without trying to fit in. That is when synchronicity allows you to be exactly where you're supposed to be and do exactly what you're supposed to do in this reality. That is by relaxing, not by working harder. Well, I think that completely captures your book, Know, know the Truth, right? Know the Truth. Yes. And so yes. Um, I know you're working on another project, so I'd love to hear what it is. You've got another book in the works and a class, so please tell us. Yes. Well, the other book, I actually do not have a name to it yet, but it will be in the same manner as my first book, the hashtag know the truth why knowing who you are changes everything. I am going to, um, or at least I am exploring different uh, sides of who we are and why we are here. And I'm exploring fear because that is very, very, um, it is in the now moment, I think, a lot of people want to know how to get rid of fear in their life. So it is going to be a lot about that and how we, how we deal with it. And the other project I'm doing right now is I am doing an e-course in going back in memories and changing what needs to be changed. It's almost like quantum jumping back into your memories and finding that inner child and saving that child from the circumstances that didn't work for you so that you can become whole in the now moment. And this has been really, really fun to do because it's, it's a way for me to go back into my own childhood and, and look at the things that maybe weren't as good as I wanted them then, changing it and becoming who I truly am today by knowing myself as a child too. So that's a really, really cool project. And I think we're going to launch it in uh, April. So that is going to be my next big thing. Oh, I'm super excited. I can't wait. I almost feel like I need to do some work. You know, I, I was, I was, yes. I just literally this, uh, you know, was with my mom. I, I traveled to take her to get her second vaccine. And so um, you know, I got back last night and we were having these conversations and, you know, it's so different, my memory versus her memory of what actually happened in, in, in certain events. And, 
and how it's yeah. really different. Like how I remembered it is very, it doesn't mean mine is right and hers is wrong. It's just different. And so I carry yeah. those experiences in our interaction now as an adult and uh, you yeah. know, she's older and, and she's set in her ways. And so I'm not going to convince my mother of anything different, but how can yeah. I now that with this greater understanding, have a different relationship with her because I have to acknowledge my memories are different. My experience was different. My narrative is different. And I have to meet her somewhere in between. And I think there's so much power when you just sort of surrender to the fact that, um, you know, your story is yours and it doesn't mean it's everybody else's. Yeah, absolutely. It's also about realizing that things that happened to you in your past, it, it, there are belief systems that were imprinted upon you at that time. And those belief systems, maybe they were imprinted before you even could speak. And then you're using them as a filter today when you interact with people, you don't even know that you're using them as a filter. And when you go back, you can find that filter. And if it doesn't fit you, you can remove it because you see what it is. It's almost like when you see it, it's removed because you know what it is. And this is what I love about that because when you change it, your now moment changes. It's like a fractal. When you change that fractal, the whole hologram changes and you see the world in a, from a different perspective or with new glasses, so to speak. What I really love about this is that we use photos, old pictures, to remember that child because sometimes you can't connect to the child because it's hard to remember yourself as a child, but when you look at pictures, it pops up and your memory becomes more vivid of who you were to connect to that child again. So it's so, so fun to do this. <laughs> well, and it's really inspiring. So I'm really looking forward to the new body of work you're putting out, the new book. Can't wait for the title, but I'm sure as, as many of us who have written a book that sort of the title shows up, it kind of just shows up. If you try to force the title, it doesn't work. So there will be something that will pop up and make you feel like, you know, you've, you've got that taken care yes. of. But yes. yes. Um, well, as we wrap up, you know, there's just one question I always have, uh, you know, with someone like you is as you're having your day and all of a sudden Oprah Winfrey reaches out and says, Hey, <laughs> we want you for, you know, the super soul 100. Do you think that, if someone's teasing you, do you tap the phone and go, no, really, who is this? Or, you know, what was that day like for you? Surreal. It was surreal. I couldn't take it in, literally. I mean, I think I got it when I was in L.A. I flew from Sweden to L.A., not actually knowing what I was doing, <laughs> because it is surreal. And in my hotel room, when we started scrolling, my husband and I, we were on the bed and we were checking out who were the other Super Soul 100 people. And it was Tony Robbins, Eckhart Tolle, Marianne Williamson. And I was going, oh, my God, I, I received the Nobel Prize in self-help. And I didn't realize it. <laughs> that's when it dawned upon me. So it was such a beautiful thing to realize in L.A., weeks after they had contacted me. It took me a really long while to get it settled and settled in my mind. And then I had the problem, oh my God, I only have this little black dress with me. I should have had a, a dress, a bigger, a, a greater thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. 
but it was it was super fun to do that also it's something that i it has given me a megaphone i mean before i whispered and now i have a megaphone so it's such a beautiful thing i reach so many people just because of that so it's beautiful well the entire series i'm glad she's bringing it back uh i will watch them and uh you know on I, on tv and i will take so many notes I, I i stop i rewind i hit play again i take so many notes um and there has been so many nuggets of wisdom over the course of you know, she started it kind of as a podcast and then it ended up sort of being more of a show, you know, I'm going way back to when it yeah. first started. Uh, but there was one show that she did with uh, Ariana Huffington and uh, Ariana had gave, given this amazing quote. So I wrote it down and let, let's say I had watched the replay on a Wednesday. So now it's Saturday morning. I'm, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm eating breakfast and all of a sudden in walking into the restaurant is Ariana Huffington. And I said, okay, hold on. <laughs> this is a sign from the universe. Like you need to get up and you need to say something. Well, of course, now I'm like five years old, which I was not at the time, you know, this is, so I didn't know how to sort of approach it. Right. But I had text messaged myself the quote that she had given. So I walked up to the table. She was sitting with her daughters and I only knew it was her daughters because I'd seen the show. Like that's the only reason I knew it was yeah. her daughters. So I yeah, walked up and I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I just wanted to show you that I just watched your Super Soul Sunday interview with Oprah Winfrey. And you said this quote and I text messaged it to myself. So she grabs the phone. She read the quote. We had maybe a two minute interaction. Mm -hmm. So at the end of this interaction, she took back my phone and she put, you know, where I had had the quote, she text messaged or she typed something, handed it back to me and said, I want you to write for HuffPost. This is my email address. Oh, that's beautiful. Right? And so just like that. And so time yeah. goes on. She actually ended up endorsing my book <laughs> and, mm. you know, has been on my podcast and we, you know, we see each other. We, you know, keep in touch. And that one moment, but that Super Soul Sunday, that one episode, that one quote, that one moment. Mm. Um, and then I had to overcome the fear to go talk to her. And then... You know, I started working for yes. Huff, right? And so it's this, yes. you know, you have to sort of be, I, I uh, another Oprahism is you kind of have to listen to those whispers. And that whisper was, yes. you know, this quote, go yes. up and do it. So yeah, yeah it's about, um, it's about a positively perpetuated synchronicity. You were open to the quote, it, it, it reached your heart in a way and you allowed it to be there this is how the universe works. This is how the quantum field works. It taps into the frequency. And then it gives you opportunities to explore that frequency even more. And that's why she shows up. I didn't know that before Oprah contacted me in that way. But it was the same thing. We were Sometimes we could joke about it, my, me and my husband, that it would happen. But it, I ne it never dawned upon me that it could happen, really. What I didn't know was that I was in this frequency and I still am in this frequency where I am serving and I'm allowing things to come out there very, very honestly from my heart space. And that is how you attract people of the same frequency. That is why those people pop up in our reality. When we become more authentic, we will attract more authentic people. 
it's it's really very easy but it's when you're struggling and trying to be someone else like we did when we were in our 20s the universe gives you more opportunities just for that and that's not funny that's not cool you don't want to be there so becoming more authentic becoming knowing who you are this is why i talk about this so much why it is so important to know who you are because if you do not know who you are then every action you take in this reality is per definition unconscious because you are not there you don't know who you are you are not making the choices something else is making the choices within you just knowing that is it makes an enormous difference being present when you allow your soul to be present within you you that is when you know who you are your soul is using your body to explore this reality but if you are asleep to that if you allow ego or i think it's always ego if you allow ego to drive you are not present and that brings you pain always so knowing well, who you are yeah is important. I was going to say yeah, <laughs> what a great way to end this interview. I could keep going and going and going, but you know, I first want to just thank you for your kindness and your generosity and your willingness to thank come you. and spend some time with us today on uh, the LinkedIn live and Facebook and Twitter. But uh Gordana, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you, you know, uh from afar once again, the virtual hug. Yes. Uh I hope we get to do it in person sometime. Um, but uh, have a wonderful, blessed rest of 2021. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a fun thing to do with you. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.